there are things out there, creatures, monsters, ghouls, and spirits, beings that fall outside the realm of visible truth, beyond the confines of our basic reality. They lurk in the dark, haunt the recesses of our minds, and stir our curiosity in the unusual and weird. They are taboo topics, stories that we tell around the campfire and folklore passed down from our ancestors. We've been taught that these things don't exist, that they are merely myth and legend. Or are they? Welcome to the Occult Archives. I'm your host and spooky librarian, E.M. Moon, but feel free to refer to me as E. Here lies a space beyond all spaces, a library full of arcane information enough to drive any normal person mad. If you can think of it, if you can question it, the archives probably have what you seek. You're currently listening to part two of issue number four of 667. If you haven't listened to part one, feel free to go back to, I guess it wasn't last week's episode, but the episode from two weeks ago, and make sure you catch up. Now for part two. Cain Wolf. Adam and I had just gotten back to the third floor when we heard the flatlining sound of a heart monitor. At least half a dozen hospital staff were rushing down the hallway, straight from my grandfather's hospital room. No, I breathed, charging past Adam as I skittered towards the commotion. A doctor was performing CPR on my grandfather while someone prepared the defibrillator. It was all in slow motion as I heard the word, CLEAR, echo in my head. The paddles were brought to his chest, and I watched it lurch as the electricity coursed through his body. He seemed fine when I had left the room, as fine as he could be, but here he was, practically dying in front of me. Sir, we need you to take a step back. A woman snapped me from the slow-motion movie I was watching, and I stepped back a few paces until I bumped into Adam. He may not have known me, but he placed his hand on my shoulder out of comfort. He's overdosing! A nurse yelled as I watched the heart monitor begin to leap again, but my grandfather was foaming at the mouth. Amidst the flurry of people running about trying to bring my grandfather back, I saw a blur of purple to my right in the corner of the room. Violet was crouched down, my old high school backpack clutched in her hands. We need to go, but I have to tell you that it's a trap. Merrick isn't planning on releasing Salome. Violet was breathing heavily as she pushed me towards the door. But, but my grandfather, I protested, but Violet chimed in. He gave you a way out of this, Kane. He'd want you to try and save her. She was right. As much as I didn't want to leave his side, me being here wasn't going to change the outcome. I had to get to Salome, and I had to find a way to save her. We managed to get out of the hospital room as more nurses piled in to help my grandfather. I glanced over my shoulder one last time to see him seizing in his bed, just like I had done the night of my 30th birthday. You bought me maternity clothes? Violet was arguing with Henri as we piled into my truck. It's a hospital. It was either that or a shirt that said proud new mommy. Henri defended himself as Violet climbed into the front seat next to me while Henri and Adam got in the bed of the truck. I know where they are, but it's probably best if you wait for his call. Violet enlightened me as she shimmied into a pair of maternity yoga pants. He'll probably call as soon as I pull out of here. I started the engine and backed out of my parking space. Violet had slipped a gaudy floral blouse over her head and wiggled out of the white dress as she spoke. He's at a nightclub, but it didn't look like it was open. 
She answered me, finally buckling herself in. Then the phone rang. It was another block number, but I knew who it would be. Kane, my boy, did you get me what I wanted? Merrick's surly voice hissed through the receiver. I got what I could. My grandfather donated most of his assets, but we got what little he had hidden away. I told him, hoping it would be enough. And the deed to the ranch? Merrick waited impatiently for my answer. I looked over at Violet, who was rifling through my backpack till she found a yellowed envelope that had the words ranch deed on the front of it. Thank God. I do. I have that too. I was anxious as hell. I just wanted to know where he was so I could get Salome back. Let's hope the rest is just as good. You can find me at that rat hole you call a nightclub. We'll be waiting. Merrick finally gave me the details I had been waiting for. They had been at my nightclub this whole time. I'll be there in 20. I barked and hung up the phone. He's at your nightclub? Violet leaned in to get my attention. Yeah. What is he planning, Violet? I wanted to know how she knew that he wasn't going to let me get out of this alive. I was there. At the nightclub. Don't ask how, but I overheard him talking to someone. He knows about us. What we are. He said that he'd been watching you for years. He made it sound like he was exchanging you and Salome for something... I don't know, payment most likely. Merrick thinks he's convinced Salome that you aren't coming for her. He's going to use you two against each other. Violet's words almost made me choke. We had already had that issue. Before Salome had even known that Merrick was a loan shark, amongst other things, she had shown an interest in him. He had sadly returned that interest, but I had convinced her to stay away from him. If he had her all doped up and starving, there was a possibility he could convince her of anything. We have to be prepared to fight. I'm not going to let him turn her against me, and I won't let him take her away from me again. I growled, punching on the gas. Then we have to be smart about how we approach this. Violet had a good head on her shoulders. I nodded reluctantly. Well, we have about 15 minutes to come up with a good plan. Adam Bodine. Kane pulled the truck up in front of a fancy nightclub. It looked as if it was going to be horror-themed, with towering Tesla coils for the archway in and silhouettes of movie monsters painted on the facade. I made Henri duck when I saw someone outside the door smoking a cigarette and followed suit. It was getting dark now, thankfully, and I didn't think anyone saw us as Kane backed into a parking space far away from the club itself. Violet crawled through the sliding window in the bed of the truck and hunkered down while she whispered, You and Henri are going to have to go around back and try to keep the exit clear. That's how we're going to make our way out of here. I'm going to try and get Salome with whatever it is that I do. Kane thinks that Merrick is holding her in the basement. He called a second time right before we pulled in and said to meet him at the front door. Violet gave us the rundown. Sounds like a good plan. I had no qualms with it. Good. I'm going to go scout around and make sure the coast is clear, and then you both get in position. Violet hopped out of the truck and crept to the side of the club. I poked my head in the cab. She looks like a little purple yoga ninja. Kane laughed at me nervously, gripping the dented wheel so tightly I thought he'd rip it off. After a few minutes, Violet came back to the truck and whispered through the front window. There was one bloke, but he went back inside. I'm going to try and get in through the basement while you two go around back. She disappeared from the window, and I watched her slink up to the front door and just walk right in. I cued Henri to hop out of the bed with me as Kane lumbered out of his seat and followed in Violet's footsteps. 
The back of the club was vacant, but we tried to find a fairly hidden spot to wait. There was a huge dumpster left out back, piled high with chunks of the old bar, busted chairs, and crumbling sheetrock. Why do I have a feeling that this situation isn't going to end well? Henri slid down the side of the dumpster and prepared himself for a wait. I know. It worries me too. Violet is banking on her ability to do whatever it is that she does, but she doesn't know how to properly use it. I squatted down next to him and kept my eye on the back door. I think I may know what she's doing. Henri responded, waiting for my reaction. Spit it out then! I was eager to hear his theory. It just might have been correct. I think that she is somehow altering reality, like a giant acid trip. She's not summoning things out of thin air or teleporting necessarily. She's molding her surroundings to her. It can be a conscious thing, but she's having a hard time focusing. Although she did just go from New Orleans to Eureka to Vegas to Eureka and back again in well under a day's time. If she could figure out exactly how she does these things, I think she'd be virtually unstoppable. Henri's response had me slack-jawed. <sighs> well, shit. Maybe you should have told Violet that before she went in there blindly. That was a poor choice of words, but I wasn't exactly wrong. I wasn't thinking. Let's just hope that she has enough sense in her head to keep herself invisible. It sounds like these men aren't fooling around. Henri took a deep breath. She's driven by emotion, but she seems to be pretty focused on helping these people. I hope that I was right as Henri and I settled in and waited. Violet Eve I was somehow able to slip through the front door undetected and used Kane's entrance as a bit of a distraction to get to my destination. I was small and quick enough to slide by the few men that were in the hall near the entrance of the basement. I listened closely at the door, pressing my ear against the aluminum, but I didn't hear anyone. I thought about being in the basement when the lights went out, and all I could see was a sliver of light from the street lights shining through a dusty window. No one was down here, no one except Salome. She was nothing but a glowing green form in the middle of the room, balled up on the floor. I was going to initially alert her to my presence, but then I thought back to what Merrick had said. I argued with myself back and forth when the basement door opened and a bulb clicked on overhead. I ducked behind a stack of kegs and waited to see who was there. Salome? I heard someone utter her name and peered out over one of the kegs. A short, stocky man was crouched down in front of Salome's still body when she flinched at the sound of her name. Where's... where's Merrick? She asked, sitting herself up. I could finally see what she looked like now. She had pointy ears like some fairy, tinged in green like the contours of her face. Tiny twig-like antlers stuck out from the top of her head, and her eyes were as black as pitch. She reminded me very much of some sort of wood nymph, her hair like swampy tentacles of lichen. Merrick is meeting with your friend Kane. Of course, he showed up with nothing. The man spoke, clearly telling lies. I knew that he'd come empty-handed. We wouldn't be in this predicament if he had the money in the first place. Salome almost hissed as she coiled away into the shadows. Merrick had really been working her emotions. You're right, Salome. Merrick understands that too. You know that he never wanted to hurt you. He just saw the trouble Kane was always getting you into and had to teach him a lesson. The man dropped a half-empty water bottle on the ground in front of her and headed back up the stairs, this time leaving the light on. It seemed as if Merrick had already had her convinced 
but I was going to try and make her see reason anyway. I crept out from behind the kegs and quietly tiptoed over to the woman. Salome? I tried to speak softly, but she still reacted rather noisily. She clanged back into a stack of trays and tried to steady herself. It's okay, it's okay. I- I'm-, I'm here to help you. I knelt down in front of her as she eyed me warily. Who the hell are you? She glared at me with those inky black eyes and craned her neck like some snake to get a better look at me. Um, my name is Violet. We've come here to rescue you. I tried to make my voice sound soothing, but I'm sure my accent fucked it all up. I don't want to be rescued. I'm tired of Cain dragging me down with him. Salome turned away from me like a pouting child. Merrick is brainwashing you. Cain is not dragging you down. He cares too much about you to let anything bad happen. Everyone makes mistakes. We are only human after all. I tried to make her see reason. (laughs) Human? Human? Do you think that this looks human? Salome put her full face in the light, and I could clearly see that she was just as strange looking as I was. Whatever we became, we are still human at our core. I put my hand to my heart. Kane doesn't care. It took him this long to come for me. Salome was getting emotional. You've only been down here a little over 24 hours. He just found out today that you were even still alive. You talked to him earlier. Merrick is messing with your head, Salome. I don't know how he's doing it, but he's trying to turn you against Kane, and it's working. Don't let him think for you. I warned her. But he came empty-handed. What does he expect? That Merrick will just let him waltz out of here with me? Salome was still questioning Kane's loyalty. That was a lie. He brought everything he could. The deed to the ranch, old bonds, stacks of money. He came here with everything that his grandfather owns just to save you. We even had to leave the hospital while Walter was trying to be resuscitated to save your life. If this didn't make her see that Cain loved her, I don't know what would. Walter? Salome's eyes started to well up with a thick black liquid before it trailed down her cheeks. You have to fight and not let Merrick make your decisions for you. When they come down here to get you, don't let him take control. You have to own this. I coached her as I heard someone turning the knob to the basement door. Salome's mouth was drawn as she breathed heavily. She gave me one good nod as the door opened and I disappeared from the room. Kane Wolf. Kane, right on time. Merrick greeted me on the dance floor, flanked by two burly men armed with semi-automatic rifles. Here, I tossed the backpack at him and waited while he checked its contents. Merrick made eye contact with me, but said nothing. There's at least ten million worth of stuff in there. That should be plenty to pay you back. Now go get Salome and leave us in peace. I tried the tough guy approach. I could be the bad guy when I needed to be, but I was usually just a big teddy bear. Okay. Merrick snapped his fingers and two more men appeared from the back room with Salome slung between them. She was clearly doped up and freshly so. Her toes drug across the ground as the men brought her before Merrick and tossed her to the ground. I felt a deep rumble begin in the pit of my stomach, and I fought the urge to shred everything in sight. There you go. But there's a catch. Salome has to want to go with you. Merrick grinned at me, a nasty grin full of pure spite. I waited with bated breath. 
had Violet got a chance to talk to her? Had she convinced her that Merrick was playing mind games? Salome weakly pulled herself up from the floor and stared up at me. Her normally copper-colored eyes were gone, only a void where their beautiful color had once been. She just stared at me, her brow furrowed as her eyes settled on mine. I wanted to tell her that I loved her, but I didn't know if it would make everything worse. What's it gonna be, Salome? Do you want to go with Kane or stay with me? He's lied to you before and he'll just do it again. I've always been straight with you, never sugarcoated a thing. Tell him how angry you are. Merrick barked at her. Just shut up! I screamed, my chest heaving with every angered breath. I had had enough of his bullshit and was ready to put him down. I could feel the ground around us begin to shake as growls echoed from the corners of the room. Merrick scanned his surroundings with confusion, looking for the sound, but he couldn't see anything. Oh, is the big bad wolf getting angry? Woohoo! I'd like to see you try, Merrick winked at me. Salome? I ignored Merrick's manipulation tactics and focused on the woman I loved. No matter what decision you make, just know that I never meant to hurt you. I did what I did because I wanted a better life for us. I needed to keep this club so that we could have something to fall back on. It was a stupid decision, yes, and I regret it so much. But everything I did, I did it out of love. I poured my heart out to her as she knelt near my feet. Her inky black eyes were filled with oil-like tears as she focused her attention on me. She glanced at Merrick and then back to me again. I could see the wheels in her head were turning. What are you trying to say, Kane? She finally spoke to me, her eyes glistening with anticipation. I... I love you, Sal. I loved you from the very first day I met you, and I knew that I had to be with you forever, even if it meant just as friends. I was going to tell you how I felt when we got to the cabin, but I never got the ch- My words were muffled by Salome's lips pressed against mine. She held me close and cried as she touched my face, her lips still on my mouth. This was the most emotional I had ever seen her. Maybe it was the drugs they had her on, or maybe it was her transformation. Or maybe she really loved me back. I love you too, Kane. Salome whispered, pressing her face to mine. Merrick started clapping his hands, and it pulled us back to reality. Well, this just puts a damper on my fun. I was hoping there would be an all-out war between you two, and you'd just kill each other off, but that human side of you is really clingy, isn't it? I swore I saw Merrick's face change as he spoke. We made a deal, Merrick. She chose to come with me, now you need to take your shit and go. I ordered him, pulling Salome into my body to keep her safe. That isn't how it works, Kane. When you make a deal with a demon, you have to keep your end of the bargain. But I don't have to keep mine. <laughs> I crossed my fingers anyway. Merrick winked at me. A demon. Merrick was a demon. Hey, at least you got to tell her you loved her before I kill you both. Merrick smiled and I saw his face warp again. It was hideous. Indescribable. Then I saw Violet. She was standing in the hallway that led to the back door, silently trying to get my attention from the shadows. I nodded once, the signal for her to go get Adam and Henri. We were preparing for a fight. More men filed in from the back room, and I knew that we were going to need all the help we could get. Adam Bodine
The back door flung open and Violet waved her hand for us to come inside. Kane's going to kill them. We need to get in there now. Violet shoved me by her and yanked Henri through the door before shutting it quietly. Listen to me carefully. I need you to come with me while Henri gets the truck and brings it around front. We're going to have to make a run for it. Violet grabbed my hand and pulled me close to her. Henri just nodded as she tossed him a key ring and he quietly disappeared out the rear door. Salome chose Kane, but now Merrick wants a fight. Violet led me past the basement door and down a hallway where I could hear Merrick droning on and on. We can do this one of two ways. You can both line up and we can take care of this quickly, execution style, or you can try and put up a fight, but that will only prolong the inevitable. I could see the back of Merrick's shaved head as he paced in front of Kane and Salome. At least a dozen men were surrounding them, and even more piling in from a door on the other side of the dance floor. Salome looked terrified as she clung to Kane, but he showed no fear. I won't let you reduce us to this, Merrick. I will fight you. Kane's sharp fangs were exposed as he snarled. I could hear the faint rumbling of what sounded like a bunch of wolves growling from behind the bar. Wait for it. I have an idea. Violet slunk away from me and pressed herself low to the ground. She stood straight up at the end of the hallway and I watched as her form dissolved and appeared in front of Merrick. What the fuck was she doing? Clap! Violet startled the hell out of everyone around her, but the smacking of her hands together gave them no time to react. The ceiling caved in and buried Merrick and half a dozen others in heavy can lights and a cloud of sheetrock. The element of surprise caused all of Merrick's men to scramble, coughing as a dense cloud of plaster billowed into the air. I brushed by the commotion and snagged Violet by the waist, skidding to a stop in front of Kane and Salome. We need to go, I bellowed, trying to hurry them to the door, but a cracking sound rang out and stopped us all in our tracks. I felt Violet go limp in my grip as she collapsed on the floor beside me. Did you think it was going to be that easy? Merrick began to laugh, a deep echoing laugh that seemed to reverberate through the floor. Merrick had the face of a stork, but so briefly that when I blinked, he was back to normal. I dropped to my knees to scoop Violet up when I noticed that there was a gunshot wound in her chest. She was limp as I pulled her close to me, picking her up off the ground. Dogs had begun to bark, in the room, as Merrick came forward to stop us. Hellhounds? Really? Merrick paused and turned to face the corner where the growls were echoing from. This creature... Somewhere between an oversized wolf and a pit bull on steroids, bounded from the darkness and landed right on top of Merrick. It began tearing at his arm as he shook it, trying to fend the animal off. Get them outside! Kane barked at me, his eyes swirling with pure wrath. I went to lift Violet up when a few more of these hounds leapt from nowhere and began tearing men to pieces. Except Violet didn't need my help. There was no more wound in her chest, no sign of blood. She was completely unscathed. Merrick had shoved the hound off of him and was tearing his way towards Kane when the big man lashed out, clawing the flesh from the demon's face. Merrick howled as the chaos continued around us. Bullets were now flying, spittle and blood were splattering the walls, and screams rang out. It sounded like a pack of wolves had found their finest meal. One of the men came barreling for me, but I grabbed his face with my hand and heard the skin sizzle like bacon as he screamed. Violet was just flinging men left and right with her mind, as Kane and Merrick were now mid-battle. Salome was huddled up on the floor near the front door, trying to pull herself from the drug-induced fog that was clouding her brain. I heard Henri pull up the truck as two more men came at me and I easily tossed them to the side. More men were now piling out of the back hallway as Violet choked someone out with a piece of rebar. 
Everyone was doing something different. None of us were really working together. Men would just keep pouring in and eventually we would all be taken over. That's when I heard Merrick let out a hoarse wail and the whole club began to shake violently. A monster now towered where Merrick had been, long and tall like a stork with razor-sharp teeth and six wings. It would have been comical had it not been so terrifying. I then watched as he swooped down on Kane. I didn't know if we were going to get out of this alive. Violet Eve Merrick's screeching caused me to take my attention off of a man that was trying to beat my face in. I ducked as he soared over my head and turned to see this monstrous bird pecking at Kane, who held his arm up to shield his face. Chunks of meat were being torn from his flesh as the stork continued to peck, hoping to whittle Kane down to nothing. I wanted that bird to explode. I wanted feathers to fly and bits of beaky shrapnel to take out a few arseholes with it. But that didn't happen. The stork continued to hammer down on Kane as I saw him try to swipe at the bird's legs, but his arms weren't long enough. I turned to see if Adam was all right. He was now setting men ablaze with his molten hot touch. Salome was trying to stand by the door, but she still hadn't quite pulled herself together. The hounds of hell that had appeared out of nowhere were easily shredding and devouring any man that stood in their way, but I needed them to go and help Cain. I barreled through two men that were trying to defend themselves from the hounds and stood in front of one of the dogs, making sure it saw me with those glowing red eyes. Listen to me. You need to go help Cain. I thought at the creature, hoping that it would hear me somehow. The hound threw his head back and began to howl, the rest of the canines yowling with him. Information, they all spun around and immediately began to attack Merrick as he continued to squawk and peck at Kane. The hounds leapt up under the bird's back, feathers spraying all around as they gorged themselves on its rib meat. Merrick began to screech angrily as the hellhounds threatened to bring him to the ground. Kane was able to get his bearings and lunged out at the stork's beak, bear-hugging it around the middle as he pulled the beast to the ground. Everything shook again. Men fell over, stray bullets flew about, and a hound even lost its balance and crushed a man that had been standing nearby. Stand back. Adam was at my side, pulling me away from the flailing bird. But Merrick was staying down for the time being. He flopped around for a moment before tossing the hounds from his body. Merrick jerked his beak from Kane's grip and squalled into the air like some ancient dinosaur. He thrust out one of his wings and knocked Kane clear off his feet. It sounded like he had downed a tree as the wolfman came crashing into the hard dance floor. Merrick was just about to strike again when a green blur broke his blow. The bird was propelled back into the far wall, cracking the plaster from ceiling to floor. Salome was now standing in front of Kane, her eyes wide with frustration as she was finally fully coherent. Fuck off, Merrick, she hollered, stomping her booted foot on the floor. Merrick had pulled himself out of the bird-shaped indentation that he had made in the wall and lumbered closer to Salome. The name is Shax. An otherworldly voice bellowed from the bird's beak as it screamed in Salome's face. Well, fuck off, Shax. Salome lunged out and shoved the bird. It staggered a bit, but before it had a chance to attack, it, it began to molt. Black and white feathers began to fall from Merrick's body like the petals of a wilted flower. He stumbled a bit, choking, as the meat began to peel from the bone and the ridged texture of its tall legs sloughed off like dead skin. As the particles of its body touched the ground, it putrefied into a goopy green mess. Salome's touch had caused Shax to rot. The beak had fallen from his face as he quacked about, 
His brain must have been rotting just like the rest of him. Teeth felt like sharpened drops of rain as the bird reeled about, his mind slowly being eaten away by Salome's gift. Men stood by in horror as their leader fought to survive, but the damage had already been done. Salome had basically given him the kiss of death, and he was now suffering for it. Kane came to scoop her up as another riot broke out. Shax's men were in a blind panic as their superior now lay in a gloppy heap of demonic jelly in the middle of the club. They began firing their guns again as Kane carried Salome through the front door, and I turned to focus a few bullets back on their gunmen. Burn the place to the ground! Kane screamed as he slipped through the door. There was no other way to end this. Adam gave me a very upsetting look before holding his hands to the kindling I had created when I collapsed the ceiling. The room was quickly set ablaze when the fire had reached the bar, but I couldn't run out yet. I saw the strap to Kane's backpack peeking out of the rubble and slid over to it, tugging it free from the debris. Let's go! Adam grabbed me by the back of the shirt as a chunk of the roof collapsed inward and landed with a splintering crash in the spot I had just been standing in. The two of us rushed out the door and hopped into the bed of the truck as Henri sped away from the fire that was now swallowing the nightclub whole. The fire department would be there soon and we didn't need to be anywhere nearby. I spied Kane cuddled up with Salome in the front seat as Henri skidded out of the parking lot and towards the highway. We had actually made it out of this alive. Salome Vex The few days prior were still a blur in my mind. What should have been us celebrating our 30th birthday together had turned into extortion, bloodshed, and kidnapping. I cuddled myself up as close to Kane as I could. I couldn't possibly get any closer to him than this. It felt right to finally be wrapped up in his arms. That woman, Violet, she was right. Kane did love me. I hated that I had let Merrick's manipulation tactics convince me otherwise. But Kane knew deep down that I would choose him over anybody. We pulled into the Sunrise Hospital after what seemed like only a few minutes of driving. I had almost forgotten that Walter's life had been in limbo when Kane had left to come find me. Just park here. Kane pointed at an empty space and the man in the driver's seat pulled in. Stay in the truck. Kane tried to slide around me, but I went to block him. I need to see him too. I wasn't going to let him go in there alone. Kane looked at me for the longest time. I'm sure he was deliberating on whether or not to let me come with him. If anyone asks, we were at a costume party. A costume party. Kane leaned around the bed of the truck to make sure Violet and the other man, whose name I didn't know, had heard him clearly. A monster bash, apparently. Violet mumbled. That elicited a smile from me. Just try to be discreet. I don't know what we will find when we go back in there. I watched Kane wince as he reached for his left arm that he had used to shield himself from Merrick. Shacks. Whatever. That looks bad, Kane. I reached out to touch it, but he pulled his arm back. That's right. I had the touch of death. I don't think her touch will have any effect on you. Violet pointed out to Kane as the other man jumped out of the bed of the truck and offered his hand to her. Kane's eyes sheepishly darted to me before he spoke. What makes you say that? This? Violet reached out to take the other man's hand, a hand that I had seen set a whole nightclub on fire. Surely Violet would burn when his hand met hers. But there was no scorching, no burning or screaming in pain on Violet's part, just a gentleman helping a friend get out of the truck. 
Adam's fire doesn't affect me. Violet walked up to Kane to look at the gouges on his arm. So does that mean that we are immune to one another's abilities? Kane wasn't 100% convinced. No, I think it's because he doesn't want it to hurt me. Violet cast Adam a knowing look. Based on his expression, she must have been right. And I would never intentionally hurt you. I added for reassurance as I held my hand out to Kane. Kane exhaled and held his arm out to me so I could take a look at it. I didn't touch, merely observed, because I didn't want to give him a panic attack before he went in to check on his grandfather. We can just find some bandages when we get in the hospital. I'm sure there's no shortage. Kane wrangled everyone up and led us towards the front entrance. Uh, excuse me, can you tell me where the patient in room 324 is? Kane was pushed up against the nurse's desk in triage, waiting to find out what had happened to Walter. They've taken him down to the ICU. He's stable, but somehow overdosed on his intravenous pain medication. The nurse looked almost scared as she relayed the information. We, we were at a costume party. Adam threw the nurse a closed-lipped smile. How was he able to overdose like that? Kane was shaking as he now gripped the corners of the desk. We're not sure, but we're looking into it. It may have just been an accident, she replied nervously. Adam's reassurance that we had been at a costume party didn't make the nurse any less intimidated by Kane's massive frame. I thought he was going to call the hounds again, but Violet stepped in front of him to speak to the nurse instead. Can you just give us that room number, please? It's his grandfather. Violet's voice came out velvety smooth, which seemed to have calmed down the increasingly terrified nurse. The woman scribbled something down on a sticky note, and Violet thanked her before beckoning for us to follow her down to the ICU. Remember the part about you wanting us to be discreet? <laughs> Violet lightly joked with Kane, clapping him on the back. I don't understand why all of this is happening. Kane hung his head, and I stepped up to handle the inevitable breakdown. Don't lose it yet. We have to go see your granddad first. I grabbed his hand and laced my fingers with his. And I have the rucksack, Violet smirked, holding up the old school bag. None of us had even noticed that she was toting it around. Kane just nodded at me and let us steer him towards his grandfather's new hospital room. Kane Wolf. I had to get it together before I walked into the intensive care unit. I wasn't prepared to see my granddad like this. He was hooked up to all these tubes with an oxygen mask and plenty of blips and beeps from the machines he was tethered to, but at least he was alive. We had to sneak our way in since it was after visiting hours, but Henri promised that he would stand guard outside while we checked on my grandfather. Big fat tears plopped onto the rail of the hospital bed as I hung my head over his sleeping form. The chart said that he had slipped into a coma shortly after they resuscitated and stabilized him, but they weren't sure if he'd ever come out of it. I felt Salome's hand on mine as she silently cried with me. There had been something he wanted to tell me earlier, something that he had never gotten the chance to say before all of this happened. What, what am I supposed to do with all of this? It was finally time for me to officially break down. We can't go back to work looking this way, we can't open up the club because it's burnt to the ground, and now I'm going to lose my grandfather because some dumbass nurse messed up his pain med dosage. I don't know where to go from here. I just bawled, like a big six-and-a-half-foot baby. Salome pulled me close to her and cried with me, the two of us sharing a moment of grief together. 
But he's still alive. I turned, wiping my puffy eyes on my sleeve. Violet was standing next to my grandfather, intently locked onto him with that eye. She and Adam must have snuck in while I was lamenting over my life. But the nurse said that the chances of him coming out of this are pretty slim. His body's barely holding on. I knew Violet was trying to give me hope, but I had nothing left at this point. But what if I could fix that, even if it's just for a moment? Even though her eyes were void of all color and visible emotion, I could tell that she really thought she could. Violet? Adam warned her, but she ignored him. I can't promise that I can heal him. I can't really promise much of anything, but... Maybe you can at least talk to him one last time. Violet's third eye was shimmering with what appeared to be tears. I, I would love that, but... Violet stopped me finishing my sentence. She didn't want to hear the excuses. She took my grandfather's hand in hers and leaned down over his face so that her third eye was centered on the middle of his forehead. Her eyes were closed, but the all-seeing one opened as wide as it could while Violet whispered something to my grandfather. The beeping of his heart monitor skipped, and then the blips picked up as his heartbeat quickened. My grandfather drew in a huge breath and his eyes popped open as he gasped for air. Violet was there to calm him, coaching him as he tried to breathe on his own. Granddad? A smile had swept across my face amidst the tears that stained it. Kane, What? <coughs> what happened? My grandfather coughed and it made my heart ache. He didn't know that he had been in a coma and he had no idea that he wasn't going to be okay. Someone accidentally gave you too much pain medication and... And you overdosed. They were able to bring you back, but... I took a deep breath and I held it. But you're not strong enough to recover. But I'm awake. My grandfather replied. Clearly, he wasn't entirely lucid. You are. But it won't last forever. Violet took over, seeing that it was hard for me to continue talking about it. I was able to make you conscious long enough for you and Kane to say goodbye. You're a very sweet girl with a strong soul. Thank you. Granddad squeezed Violet's hand before she stepped away from the hospital bed and took Adam with her as she exited the room. Hey, Walter. Salome smiled, leaning over my grandfather for a gentle hug. Salome. He smiled back at her. I'm so glad Kane was able to rescue you. He's such a good boy. Granddad took a shaky breath and tried not to cough. He really is. Salome squeezed my grandfather's hand before letting me scoot my chair in to talk to him. I'm so sorry, Granddad. I started to apologize like I always did, but he stopped me. Stop apologizing for things that are out of your control, Kane. I've been sick for a long time, and it's just now catching up to me. I lived a wild life at times, but I also made myself a family with a wife, kids, and grandkids that I love more than life itself. This cancer was going to take me eventually. It's just happening sooner than we like. My grandfather patted my hand as he spoke his usual wisdom. I know. I'm just glad that I get to talk to you one last time. The tears were starting to come again, but I swallowed them down. I need to tell you something. I started before, but I never got to finish. I need to say this before it's too late. 
Your mother foresaw this. I saw it too. That fertility clinic did something to her. They implanted her with some sort of special seed. A special seed that would bring about a change in this world. We knew there was something different about you from the moment you were born. So smart from day one. Creative. Driven. You had a path that you walked the minute your little feet would let you. I never expected it to be this, but that doesn't matter. It just means that you will have to work harder to make a difference in the world. But I have confidence in you, Kane. In both of you. My grandfather was beginning to look a bit sallow as he finished his speech, but he was still holding on. I will make you proud. I nodded, mustering my strength to continue speaking. But I need to know who did this to us. My grandfather's expression was blank as he focused his attention on me. He looked as if he didn't want to say, but he was compelled to, knowing that he was on his deathbed. <coughs> a medical clinic called L. Cipher Laboratories. They specialize in fertility and reproductive biology and came highly recommended by your mother's gynecologist. There wasn't much information on them, but every doctor she talked to greatly endorsed their work. My grandfather winced and closed his eyes tight. Thank you. You need to rest now. I insisted, fluffing his pillow for him so he could lay back. I love you, boy. Always remember that. He just nodded at me, a big grin on his face as he settled into his pillow. I... I love you too. I squeaked, closing my eyes as the tears came again. And then my grandfather was back in a coma, the beeping of the heart monitor steady as he slipped back into unconsciousness. Adam Bodine. I can't believe you did that. I was walking side by side with Henri and Violet as we paced up and down the halls of the ICU. There were surprisingly not a lot of medical staff around, and we felt that it was safe to be out in the open. Neither can I, but it happened. Violet responded, shoving her hands deep into the pockets of a worn flannel jacket. But you didn't heal him. It was half a question and more of me needing clarity on what she did. I can't do that, I don't think. I mean, I sort of healed myself from that gunshot wound, but I'm beginning to think that maybe we can't die, at least not that easily. Violet had really been thinking about things since she had taken her vacation to Las Vegas. Maybe not without holy water and a cross, <laughs> I joked, but I wasn't sure if it was even that funny. I just wish I knew what it was that I'm doing. Am I just super psychic or something? Telekinetic? It was clearly driving Violet nuts that she couldn't pin down her abilities. Kane summons hellhounds like some giant wolf overlord. Salome literally makes things rot from the inside out, and you, you're a bloody dragon. Violet got a little excited as she talked about everyone's new talents. I think I know what your power is. Henri chimed in, sipping from a styrofoam coffee cup. You do? Violet cocked her head to the side. I think that if I can put a name to what it is that I'm doing, I can control it better. Violet was more than eager to discover what it was that she had been doing since we hit the big 3-0. You're doing a rather fine job of that already. I think that you're altering reality. Henri worded it to her the same way he had with me. 
elaborate. Violet looked as if she understood, but she needed more clarification. Okay, think of it this way. Have you ever heard of the multiverse theory? The belief that there are countless other worlds, parallel universes that exist at the same time with our own. I was going to be surprised by Violet's answer, but I remembered. She's a writer. Exactly. Take this for example, to put it simply. Imagine that in this world, the present now, you were asleep in your bed all the way in New Orleans, but in a parallel world, you were out in a field in Nevada. There are multiple paths one could walk down in life to get them somewhere, multiple options that you could take in any reality to be where you are, or where you are not. I think that you can consciously choose what world you need at that point, what instance in time and space that would benefit you. You make the atoms around you move in such a way that you can make anything that you want happen. Henri's elaborated response completely blew my mind. Violet could essentially control everything in the known universe and then some if she really wanted to. Well, that's quite the responsibility, but I could literally make my books come to life. Violet was awestruck. What a responsibility this actually was. You could, but we have bigger fish to fry. Henri lightly berated her. Yeah, of course. Violet was tight-lipped as we continued to walk. Not that I wouldn't do the same, but why were you so stuck on staying here and helping these people? It was a question I had been meaning to ask her all day. Because they're like us. They deserve the right to exist just as much as we do. I couldn't stand seeing them lose their lives, even more clueless than we are about what happened to them. I saw the opportunity to help, and I did. Violet's explanation was succinct. But you did more than that. You went out of your way to test a power you can't quite control yet, to make sure that a man you don't know got to talk to his grandfather one last time. That's a big step out for someone you'd never even met before today. My statement was slightly convoluted, but I think she got it. Because... Because I know what it's like to not be able to say goodbye. Violet was blunt again. I wanted to ask her to go on, to tell me who she never got to tell goodbye, but I already knew she was talking about her mother. You're a good person, Violet. You know that? I slung my arm around her shoulders, and surprisingly, she let me. That means a lot. Thank you. I could hear the emotion in her voice as she walked just a little bit closer to me. I wonder if Kane got to ask his grandfather about what he wanted to say earlier. Before all the chaos, he told Kane that he needed to tell him something. I thought back to the hospital room earlier before we had even gone to rescue Salome. He should have enough time to tell him. What happened exactly while I was gone at the farmhouse? Violet hadn't been filled in on that little part of our adventure. We talked with his grandfather a bit when the nurse came in to administer his medication and take his vitals. Kane and I went out for a smoke, and when we came back, his grandfather was flatlining. Kane and I were just as much in the dark as everyone else. Where was the nurse? The one that came to take his vitals? I could tell that the wheels in Violet's head were turning. I don't think I saw her in the room when we got back. I hadn't, at least not to my recollection. Did you get a name at least? I could see that Violet was hoping for something to go off of. Heaven. Her name was Heaven. That much I could remember. 
Violet began to speed up down the hall. Then let's see if we can go find Heaven. Violet Eve. Excuse me. Excuse me. I was trying to get the attention of a nurse whose back was to me as he jammed out with his headphones on. I ran my hand down my face out of impatience and then just willed him to be attentive. Uh, can I help you? <laughs> he smiled at me, looking a tad confused as we came face to face. Yes, uh, do you have the ability to check and see who administers medication to wish patients? I tapped my nails on the desk. I'm sure my purple complexion was clouding his ability to think, but he responded after a few seconds. Uh, we can. Nurses have to mark all of that down when they do their rounds so we can be sure that everyone gets what they need. He raised an eyebrow, knowing that another question was coming. Well, could you tell me what nurse was handling room 324 on the night shift? I leaped with that question. I didn't think that he would tell me, so I altered his perception. He took one look at my very unofficial FBI badge I had just happened to be holding and quickly responded. Yeah, just hold on one second while I pull it up. He sat down in front of the computer and began to type. Adam was trying as hard as he could not to laugh as he and Henri hung back by some waiting chairs. What was the patient's name? He asked, poised to type. Uh, Walter. Walter... I didn't know Kane's last name. Wolf. His last name is Wolf. Henri hissed at me. He mouthed that he had seen it on the chart at the door. Uh, Wolf. Walter Wolf. I felt like an idiot. Oh, yeah. He's here in the ICU now. Uh, it says that his last round of medication was right before an apparent overdose. And it says that the nurse on call was a Josephine Davidson. The man turned the screen so I could see. Adam and Henri now approached the desk to read what the roster said. I see. Has anyone approached her about the overdose to see why she administered too much pain medication? I bit the inside of my cheek. I knew the nurse was lying about her name. That's the problem we ran into. We can't seem to find her. The nurse looked worried that I was going to arrest him for obstruction of justice or something. As in she must have left the building? How could they let her just slip away like that? No, as in, she doesn't seem to exist. There's no record of her being hired on here or anywhere that the police could find. I don't know how anyone ever let her take a shift. The nurse puckered his lips in worry. Thank you very much for your help. I nodded at him and led Adam and Henri back down the hallway towards Walter's hospital room. Josephine Davidson. Why would she give Walter a fake name like Heaven? Adam was trying to unravel the mystery but I had already done that. Because neither of those are her actual name. I marched down the hall, quickly approaching the hospital room. Josephine Davidson? Know anything about Catholicism? Um, Henri does. I tend to steer clear of organized religion. Adam threw his hands up. Go on. Henri butted in between Adam and me. Saint Joseph, the foster father of Jesus, the son of David... The patron saint of the dying? I broke it down simply for all parties. Holy fuck. Henri stopped in the middle of the hallway, and Adam almost collided with him. I think she was another angel of death. I dropped a big bomb on the company around me, and it did indeed blow their minds. 
Why, though? Why are these angels coming after us? Adam was starting to look a little unsettled with my mystery solving. A better question is, why she tried to kill Kane's grandfather, but didn't attack Kane or you? I suggested that if one had come to kill us before, you'd think they'd try again, given the right opportunity. I don't know. I have no earthly idea. All I know is that this is really starting to get bizarre. I guess if we are demon babies or whatever, it makes sense that an angel would want to kill us, but not Walter. Adam was just as wary about it as I was. We had just gotten to the room when the door opened and Kane walked out with Salome by his side. His eyes were puffy as he let her direct him out into the hall. Kane, I went to approach him, but I could see that it wasn't a good time. We had to call the nurse in because his blood pressure dropped and then his heart rate fell. A doctor came instead and said that and said that there wasn't much that they could do. He passed a few minutes ago. Salome tried to be strong as she spoke, but her voice was shaky. I'm so sorry. I started to tear up myself. I understood this all too well. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to talk right now. Kane finally spoke, but it was broken between sniffles. You don't have to say anything. Why don't you come back to the motel with us and stay the night, then head home tomorrow? I offered. Clearly neither one of them were in the right mindset to drive. Thank you. Salome accepted for the both of them, and we gathered ourselves to head away from all the death we had encountered since arriving in Las Vegas. June 8th, 2016. Kane Wolf. I was more than grateful that Violet had found us. It may not have been the best of situations for any of them to come into, but we needed someone, and they were there. Our goodbyes before going our separate ways the next morning were sort of bittersweet. Even though Salome and Violet had only spoken a few brief times since they met, they seemed to have really bonded. I felt that I had found a friend in both Adam and Henri. It was nice to have others who understood what we were going through. We exchanged numbers and addresses so we could keep in contact, and Violet even managed to remember Salome's stuffed cat that she had rescued from the wreckage. Their group took off towards the airport while Salome and I headed back to the ranch. We had all the hidden assets my grandfather had given to me and a new lease on life. As grief-stricken as I was, my grandfather's love had made it just a little bit easier to cope. He didn't hold back when he told me what he knew about my conception, about El Cipher Labs. And then there was the rogue nurse that Violet clarified to be some sort of angel of death, which I guess made us demons. I still didn't really know anything. But I hadn't disclosed to Violet and the others about what my grandfather had told me. I wanted to handle that on my own. I was going to track down this lab by myself, if it still existed, and find out what I could so that we were one step ahead of whoever engineered us, and they'd never see me coming. This DNA that we all shared, the DNA of a race that the masses feared and the few didn't believe in, was demonic in origin. At least that's what it looked like to me. There was more that the four of us didn't get to discuss, but I figured I would leave that for a later time. This wouldn't be the last time we would see them. That's all for tonight's episode of Stories from the Archives. 
Um, I'm so glad that a lot of you guys are enjoying me doing this. I hope I'm close enough to my microphone. Sorry. This is all unscripted right now because I didn't want to type anything out and I'm lazy. Um, and that's me smacking my chair like I do because I forget that this mic picks up everything. But I have not looked at my buy me a coffee in a while and I have some new supporters that I want to give shout outs to. Uh, Mary Bostick, who is one of my very close friends and I just love her. Uh, Natasha. And I think we have a new member too. I'm literally looking at this on my phone as I'm talking to you guys. Um, Bo S. Salzman, um, Ame, Mary, and Brittany, which I think I thanked you guys before. I am so sorry that I did not give proper shout outs to you guys because my brain is just a fried piece of bacon at this point. But um, I'm just so happy that you guys are enjoying the content that I'm putting out. And I just want to give big fucking thank yous to everyone that continues to support me and shares the podcast and all of that. Um, it literally means the world to me. But, like I said, that's all for tonight's episode. So, as usual, lock your doors, salt your windows, and remember, it's okay to sleep with the lights on. Night, guys.